Well, it's the first sermon of the year, and at first I felt like I was going to stick to uh, the Father Figures series. I really thought that um, I was going to continue that maybe until God told me to stop, and that's what I was going to do, and then he told me to stop. And so uh, (laughs) Megan Tibbetts, can we give it up for Megan Tibbetts, who brought the word last week in such a unique way? Um, When you shared the rap that you were going to share, I didn't know there was going to be a beat. So I really enjoyed that. I don't know who produced that, but low key, man, that beat went. Like I was like, hey, hey, hey. oh, wait, wait, this is supposed to be a sermon. And so you didn't know this, but you were, you closed out the father figure series. That was amazing. What an honor. It's great. Uh, We're going to start a new series today. I was looking all over the internet and all these people have these end of year videos. And in almost every end of year video, the phrase was, we've had an unprecedented year. We've had an unprecedented year, and that is the biggest understatement of my life. This is an unprecedented year. And the more that I kept hearing the word, this is an unprecedented year, the more that I begin to crave a more precedented year, right? Like, I, 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 it's so unprecedented, I started to wish for more precedented times, like things that felt familiar, like community, and all those things, I pray, we, we get to uh, enjoy But the Lord put on my heart that unprecedented times cause for unprecedented faith. And so we are doing a series in this month of January called Unprecedented Faith. Unprecedented Faith. You you need a faith that matches your problem. Think about this. You need a faith that matches your problem. Jesus uh, said this, that you could stand in front of a mountain and somebody with the mustard seed side size of faith could speak to the mountain and the mountain would throw itself into the sea. Imagine that, something so potent, something so powerful that if you had just the mustard seed, just you could barely see it in the palm of my hand, that if you had just that much faith, you could speak to a mountain and the mountain itself would throw itself into the sea. The mountain has to respond to your faith. And I feel like sometimes our biggest temptation as Christians, and I've said this before, but but it's very prophetic for 2021, our biggest temptation is to become mountain climbers, not mountain movers. Mountain climbers is where you do it all in your own strength, and you got to have the plan, and you got to have the strategy, and you got to have it all figured out. But a mountain mover is someone with so, have a faith so potent that the mountain is itself, the problem itself would yield to your faith. So many times when we're in an unprecedented year and things and problems and challenges has never happened the way that they've happened now, the Lord Jesus is saying, I want to give you, Oasis Church, an unprecedented faith. Matter of fact, right now, maybe just lift your hands to the heavens and say, Jesus, give me an unprecedented faith. I've had unprecedented pain. I've had unprecedented problems. I've had unprecedented failures. I need unprecedented faith. My faith is going to get me to the other side. I need some faith. I need some faith. I need to believe. I need to believe. You know that old phrase, I'll believe it when I see it. I used to hear that a lot growing up. That's not kingdom, though. I'll believe it when I see it is not kingdom. Kingdom is because you don't believe it, you will never see it. That's kingdom. 
because God is doing something right now. And God's saying, Julian, I want you to speak faith to my sons. I want you to speak faith to my, this 2021 is going to take some faith. And some of us only have faith for the end of the pandemic. God's saying, don't you know I'm eternal? This is not about faith for the end of a pandemic. This is about faith for the beginning of the rest. I'm telling you, God is doing something so awesome and he wants to build and release his people with some faith. David had a lot of faith in the Bible. When I was thinking about this series, Unprecedented Faith, I immediately jumped to the scriptures, uh, David in the Psalms. And one of this crazy Psalms uh, is Psalm 139. And I'm going to really lean into a couple of verses of Psalm 139, but I wanted to take the time to read the whole thing because David had this faith that would get activated as God allowed David to go through some really difficult things. I mean, people were, uh, Saul, the king, was chasing David, trying to kill him. Uh, he had enemies on all sides, the Philistines. And, and David just had this way of leaning into his faith when he had problems. David had an unprecedented faith. Matter of fact, David's faith was so awesome. God, when he discovered David, God said, I have finally found a man after my own heart. What could I do that God would say that about me? What could you do that God would say that about you? Can God say as you are called to the spaces that you are called to, I have finally found a man after my own heart. Can God send you into a space and say, I have finally found a woman after my own heart. Can you have an unprecedented faith that is so powerful? God would say, finally. Finally. Matter of fact, there are only two times in the New Testament where Jesus said he was amazed. It said that he was amazed at how awesome someone's faith was, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. He was like, wow, that faith is awesome. And he was like, wow, they ain't got no faith. He was amazed that they could experience him and have that lack of of faith. David had a kind of faith that made God say, finally. And look what David uh, says. He, he writes a song. This is like terrible songwriting skills. Like it doesn't really rhyme. Like I, I got to remember it's not scripture. It's a song. Like I always read the Psalms. I'm like, what melody was David singing this in? Because Psalm 139 verse one says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Try to put that in a melody. You discern my going out and my lying down. What a beautiful word. God knows when you get up and when you're sitting down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He's saying this while people are trying to kill him. He's like, God, you're just, oh my God, you're just amazing. Too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? We were singing early, let us become more aware of your presence. And that isn't in church. That is when the devil's trying to make us so aware of what's coming against us, we become more aware of who's with us. People are trying to kill him, and he goes, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. 
If I, make, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. He's going back to the womb. He's like, I don't know where you are now. Like, these people are trying to kill me, but let me remind myself of what you did in my mama's belly to affirm that you're going to do something now. Like, you, you, that's some faith. Like, I can't see you, God, in what you're doing now And last week was a little rough. Matter of fact, last year was a little rough. But oh, you knit me in my mother's womb. And since you knit me in my mother's womb, you are going to do something with what you knit, even though what's coming. That is some just crazy faith. I promise you, I thought I had some faith. I don't know a single person in 2020. It was like, well, he was there when... When I had the umbilical cord around my neck, Lord, you was there. You delivered me. You delivered me, Lord. David's faith was unprecedented. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. It sounds like arrogance. God's saying, he's saying, you've been working on me and it's awesome. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. And then verse 19. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Wait, 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 wait. What happened to the poetry? We were flowing for a little bit there. And then David got to the point of his prayer. Now, you see all this stuff I'm saying about you, God? You are awesome. I got some faith. But can you slay the wicked? Can you imagine? Like, I feel like David had some faith. That is some faith. Because God did not slay the wicked on his behalf. But he had so much faith. He's like, I'm about to tell you who you are. You knit me in my mother's womb. And then I'm going to say, can you slay the wicked? Can you slay them away from me? You who are bloodthirsty, they speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. And then he switches again. 23, search me, God. Oh, my heart. Wait a minute. He seems to be all over the place. I'm realizing unprecedented faith isn't, doesn't mean that you're not all, all over the place. It means that where you start is how you finish. God said he's the beginning in the end. You can have some issues in the middle. Notice the beginning is, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. And when we get to the middle, he was like, I'm going to need you to slay the wicked. I'm going to need you to slay somebody. But then he goes, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about them. I'm talking about what they're doing. I'm talking about what's going on. God, I, I, I need you to search me. Let, me. let me search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any 
offensive way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. This kind of sounds like your typical psalm. One of the things as I was doing a study for this message is that there are three major categories of the psalms. And the three major categories, I'm going to put them on the screen for you, and and you can fit almost every psalm in these categories. There's a few other minor ones, but nearly every one of the 150 psalms could fit in one of these three categories. One are the psalms of praise. Two are the psalms of lament. This is a psalm of lament. And three are the psalms of wisdom. The praise psalms, uh, um, which this has some praise in it, but the praise psalms where a lot of them were thanksgiving, thanking God for who he is and what he has done. This type of praise, thanking God, was completely unique to God's people. None of the other pagan God worshipers ever thanked their God for anything. Think about this. They thought that God was doing something, but they refused to thank him. Later on in Romans 1, The Bible says that rebellious people would refuse to honor God or give him thanks. So you don't have to just be doing a bunch of wild stuff and living your life in sin to be in rebellion against God. All you have to do is not be thankful for what God is doing and God would put you in the same category as a rebel. Because thanksgiving to God was unique to God's people. So there were these beautiful Thanksgiving Psalms called declarative praise, where they would declare that God was awesome for who he is and what he has done. And then the second category would be lament praise. And out of the 150 Psalms, 55 Psalms are lament Psalms. More than a third are like, what is going on? More than a third. Now, you got to remember the Psalms cover hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And more than a third literally can be translated, are you freaking serious? (laughs) This should undo the widely believed Christian myth that once you follow Jesus, every song you would write would be a praise song. A third, if you wrote songs for God over hundreds and hundreds of years, most of what you would have to say would be, I cannot believe this is happening to me. It would be a lament. So when I was looking this up and I'm looking through the Psalms and I'm looking through 139, like David sneaks in this complaint in the middle of his praise. And I was like, how is it faith, unprecedented faith, when he's complaining, and the Lord told me he wasn't complaining, he was lamenting. And I'm like, well, what is the difference? Like, I got to tell you, unprecedented faith, you can still lament, but you can't complain. So I'm like, what is the difference between, because it looks like a complaint to me. He's like, they speak of you with evil intent, your adversaries misuse your name. I don't, I hate those who hate you. And God showed me this clear difference that he wants to give you unprecedented faith. Complaining is telling people. Lamenting is telling God. So you have unprecedented faith when what you would tell your friends in complaint, you would tell to God the same thing, but you're telling a different person. It's like, uh, you know, I was telling Christina as I was processing 
that how can I have unprecedented faith when I'm so frustrated and I'm crying and this year is awful. Like I thought unprecedented faith was when I act like everything's cool and everything's awesome. And God is saying, no, unprecedented faith is when you transition from complaining to lamenting. Here's the difference. My, my son, you know, or my kids, they could have a really like bad day, you know, terrible twos, right? And if I found out someone had told another person, have y'all been around the low kids? Oh my God, that boy, that Allison Bailey, man, they're just terrible. Oh my gosh, I can't be around. They can't handle their emotions. I would be so hot. But if that same person, if I found out that person told another person, I would be mad. Don't talk about my kids that way. It could be true and I'd still be mad. Don't talk about my kids that way. But if that same person said, hey, I've been going to God and I've noticed that your kids are having a hard time going to sleep and I've been praying for your kids every single day. I would be, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. So do you understand when we complain about another person, God to another person, God says, don't talk about my kids that way. But you can lament about that person to God. You can actually go to God and say, would you slay the wicked? And he goes, I hear you, no, but I know why you feel that way. But when you say that exact same thing to another person about that person, God says, don't you dare talk about my son, my kid. Don't you dare say they're too much. Don't you dare say they're not enough. Don't you dare say anything about my son. Matter of fact, you say, say something about my son one more again and watch me come out of heaven and open up a can of, you know, God went black daddy on it. Don't talk about my kids. You know, when you talk about pastors, you're talking about God's kids. When you talk about your connect group leader, you're talking about God's kids. When you talk about your old janky roommate, you're talking about God's kids. And don't get it twisted. They are janky. But talk to God about them and you can transition from a, a complaint to a lament. And God says that is unprecedented faith. Love covers a multitude of sins and you acted like they were dope because, and you knew that they weren't, but you brought all their junk to me and said, this person is so shady. Unprecedented faith God has been showing me because I, I think all of 2021, I've been trying to get to this like really super positive. Hey, God's been using this. Like we, church at home, church at home, that little dun, dun, dun in the beginning of the song. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to, I was on vacation. I'm like, I don't want to go back. And God is saying to me, is because you think faith is fake positivity. And faith is you stop complaining and you start lamenting. You can bring all of that into my presence. And Julian, I hear you and I understand you. 55 of the 150 Psalms are people telling God, where are you? Why is this this way? And God is okay with that. That would mean that as you follow Jesus, a third of your interactions with God should be and can be laments. We don't do any lament songs. All of our songs that we do, they're all like really cute. Like they're all like, God, how great you are. Great things you have done. Second line, break the teeth of the wicked. That's, that's a praise song. He wrote a praise song that said, break the teeth of the wicked. Knock out all their fronts until they whistle good. That would qualify 
to a praise as a praise song if you set it to God and not to people. Oh my God, I am preaching today. You didn't know that you could have unprecedented faith with a lament, not a complaint, because it sounds the same, but it is not. It is not. I don't share with people about people what I would share with God about people. I don't share a problem with people that I would share that same problem with God and it turns into a lament. I don't tell people 2020 sucks. I tell God 2020 sucks. And I transition from, from, from an unprecedented year to unprecedented faith because God can handle you telling him 2020 was suck. But he doesn't want you to tell his son or daughter that 2020 sucks. They might be looking for Jesus. He wants you to tell them, take that to God. In lament, there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations, and it is so depressing. <laughs> but it's unprecedented faith, not because of what they're saying, but because of who they're talking to. You don't have to change what you're saying. You don't have to change the narrative, change the subject of your conversation. You could say the exact same thing you've been telling to Ezel and them. Just tell it to God. And God says, I, that is unprecedented faith that you would tell me what you keep telling everyone else. There's so much counseling in the church, and we call it pastoring. And they sit down when you pastor them and say, hey, by the way, I don't want you to fix me. I just want you to listen. That's not pastoring. As a matter of fact, if anybody tells me that again, I'm going to charge them. Because people get paid $150 an hour so you to ramble and they give you nothing from the word. And you can just say how you feel. But I want to be rebuked and instructed and I, I want to lament to God because what I lament to God, God can handle and he can bring about change. This is unprecedented faith. Not what we say, but who we say it to. And here is the key in this lament song that I believe is unprecedented faith. I want you to write this down. Lament always begins and ends with praise. So let's say I'm really mad at Grace and I go to God. And me and Grace, and we're beefing, we're not getting along. Like, and I go, man, if I go tell Megan, dude, Grace, man, you see what's going on, Grace? Instantly, God's like, I hate that. You're talking about my daughter. But if I go to God about Grace, Right, And I lament about grace, looking at Psalm 139, and I can go, God, I know you have made grace with a calling and with a purpose. She's super wicked right now. <laughs> but I know, God, you are so good, and I praise you and honor you. For me. That's a real lament. It is like I'm praising God for grace. I'm praising God for who he is. And in the middle is my issue is raw and as authentic it can be but I'm talking to God. The minute that I say that to another person, it's a complaint. And we do this all the time and like, hey, like, I'm, not, I'm just, I, I like, I'm, by the way, I, 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 you're the only one I've told. I'm just telling you this about grace so you can pray. No, don't, that's not, no, no. <laughs> like, don't, don't try to ask for prayer. Don't try to ask for prayer about that person. You're still complaining. Don't stop, don't. Hey, can you just pray? I'm just having some issues with, no, you're gossiping. And, and you're, you're trying to act like your gossip is a prayer request. It's not. Your gossip is not a prayer request. 
Stop telling everybody everybody's business, what you don't like about people, and act like it's a prayer request. Don't do it. That's unprecedented faith. The third category, and I stayed on lament a while, but was wisdom. So praise, lament, and wisdom. And wisdom is instruction that is directed to people. So here's the crazy thing. The praise is to God. The Bible says you want to test a man, give him praise. Stop praising people. Give praise to God. You can encourage people, but, but praise is when you exalt someone better than you. That belongs to God. Lament. Don't give that to people because it transitions to a complaint. When you lament to God, it's unprecedented faith. God says, you believe that I can handle that. You want to. And then wisdom is what we tell people. God says this about complaining in Philippians 2, verses 14 through 15. Do everything without grumbling, complaining, or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Wait, what? Not go to church every Sunday. That's great. I hope you do. Not to read your Bible. I hope you do. Do everything without complaining so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. So my ability to lament and not complain saves me from a warped and crooked generation? That is unprecedented faith. That I would have the ability to just not complain and only lament when there's so much to complain about. There's so much to complain to people about. And my faith says I can move that to a lament. Here's what's crazy about this is that if you break down that whole Psalms, it starts with God saying, hey, I want you to search my heart. And it ends with David asking God to search him again. So it begins with David saying, hey, search my heart. He complains, he laments about somebody, what's going on, and he says, but I need you to search my heart. That unprecedented faith to lament to God about what's going on with the circumstances, what's going on with that person, that unprecedented faith happens when even in the middle of that, you can say, but God, will you search me? Will you search me? God, he, he, David had the said, these people are wicked and they're trying to kill me, but can you search my heart? This is a beautiful example of what it means to lament to God. And here is the thing. I know you've been talking about when is the pandemic going to end, but stop having group chats about when the pandemic is going to end. Just have a one-on-one chat with God and say the same thing. When is the pandemic going to end? Don't say that to another person. Don't say it to another person. Say it to God. I want you to take everything you've been complaining about to your people, about your job, your money, your finances, and take it all to God. Take it all to God. And God's saying that will be unprecedented faith. Because in Psalm 139, when David took that to God, we're watching What's happening to David in the presence of God as he's lamenting about people, it's almost as if the spirit of the Lord tells him to say, you search me and you know me. I want you to write this down. Don't celebrate 2021 by getting a new calendar with old character. Don't do it. Don't go into 21 with a new, the, the, the calendar, the ball dropping, 
Somebody definitely dropped the ball in 2021, by, 2020, by the way. But the ball dropping in New York City is not going to change your life. It's not. What you allow the Lord to do as he searches your heart. He says, you have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. We always talk about knowing Jesus, but we never talk about Jesus knowing us. He says, not I know you, you know me. It's, we're so intimate, we know each other. Search my heart. I want you to know the things about me that I'm afraid for other people to know. And he goes, you know me. Think about this. Think about all the things that we can talk about we, we have accomplished as a church. And God's going crazy and miracles. And Matthew 7 verses 22 says something insane. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Awesome. We cast out demons in your name. Awesome. We perform many miracles in your name. Awesome. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. Wait a minute. What? We did all these really cool stuff. Thousands of people. Planet campuses. And God will, Jesus will say, get away from me. We never preach these verses about Jesus. Jesus is just about love. Jesus is just, he's love. He loves me as I am. That verse says that Jesus might say to some people, get away from me. I don't know what Tony uses. It might be nice. Hey, can you get away from me? I don't know. There's no nice way to say that. Sometimes that's worse. But Jesus, can you imagine you show up and you led like the whole church thing for 20 years and Jesus would say, get away from me. 18,000 prophecies, casting out demons. I didn't know you. Not you didn't know me. I didn't know you. We didn't have any intimacy. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. David had all this sin, but God knew him. And he would bring that stuff into God's presence. And we think that the sign of, of what of knowing God is achievements for God as if God would not allow anyone who didn't know him to do really cool stuff. So then he's like, he's doing really cool stuff. And he's like, he must know God. Some people have told me, I love your relationship with the Lord. How do you know I have a relationship with the Lord? You don't know that. Because we look at what people do. We look what people do. And if people aren't doing that, we think there's something wrong. And some of these people you're going to see sitting next to Jesus in heaven are just mothers. What did you do? Raised grace? I, I, I had 20,000 people coming to church. And now Grace's mom is my boss because all she did was raise Grace? Think about that. What did you do? I just hung out with Randy and his family. He's just sitting next to Jesus on the throne. Chilling. And I, I, I'm like, but I did, you know how many sermons I spoke? And Jesus might say to me, if I, he didn't know me, get away from me. Gosh, man, a guy who hung out with sinners and ate with them would say to a ministry worker, get away from me. 
There is nowhere in scripture where we can find Jesus would say that to a sinner. Get away from me. He embraced sinners. He, he went to Zacchaeus' house. But the only verse that I can find where Jesus said, get away from me, is to a ministry worker. Ooh, that's scary. Get away from me. You didn't know me. Did all that stuff, build the church. Get away from me. And Rahab, a prostitute, is going to be in heaven I try to tell him. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, never did anything for God. Lived a life as a prostitute, hit some spies, she's in heaven. He went to Zacchaeus' house, hung out with sinners so much that they hated him. He was hanging out with sinners, tax collectors, and people who were known for their sin. And the only verse I can find in the Bible where Jesus would say, get away from me, is somebody like me doing a bunch of stuff for him, but don't know him. I can't. That's why it says be careful. Not all of you should teach because you'll be judged more strictly. So I don't want you, if you don't know Jesus and you feel like you're living in sin, he would say that to me before he would say it to you. And that makes me want to have unprecedented faith where all of my stuff I just take into God's presence. Good Lord. I want to know Jesus, and I want Jesus to know me. And that word know, what David is talking about, is things about you that need to change, that are revealed in God's presence. Like God wants to tell you, hey, we got to work on that. We need to do something about that. I love you, but we, we need to do something about that. John 10, verse 27, it says, my sheep, listen to my voice, I know them. Nahum, verse 1, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, said, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. So when we don't take refuge in things getting better, we take refuge in God. When we listen to God's voice, God say, yep, those are people that I know. You can tell people who know God by what they do when they're in trouble. Do they listen And here's the thing. My sheep listen to my voice. Sheep don't speak or understand English. They know the voice of the shepherd. They don't understand. I want you to write this down. It's so important. Faith is expectation without an explanation. I don't need you to explain to me how this is going to happen. I just expect it to. There is nothing that's appealing to my common sense at all. I don't need to hear anything else other than, Lord, you're going to do it? Okay, cool, I'm good. Lord, you're going to do it? Okay, cool, I'm good. Think about the story of Hannah. Hannah couldn't have a baby. A, 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 a priest, Eli, shady priest. She's weeping in the presence of God, lamenting the God because she cannot have a child. And the shady priest, Eli, says, you are lit and you've been drinking. And she says, oh, no, sir, I have not been drinking. I was just pouring my soul out to the Lord. She wasn't telling her friends, I can't believe that I'm not pregnant. God says he's faithful. No, she was saying that same thing to God. Shady priest shows up and says, you're drunk. She says, oh, no, sir, I'm not drunk. I was just pouring my soul out to God. The Bible says she was operating in the strongest word for grief there is in the Hebrew language. Like, you can't cry harder than that. And the shady priest said, let it be under you, as the Lord has said. And the Bible says that Hannah washed her face and went and got something to eat. 
Wait, what? That's what lament will do. You could get a word from a shady priest and you still believe it. Oh, my God. I I just wish I had an actress up here that could cry. Because I just, if I was weeping right now, can you imagine? I'm just, I can't believe it. And then some shady priest goes, let it be in the use of the Lord. I said, oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Y'all want Chick-fil-A? That's how quickly she reacted to the word. Sobbing, not eating. Shady priest says, I got God's good. Hey, y'all want Chick-fil-A? Cool. Because this jerk just told me God is moving. And I. See, complaining instead of lamenting, no one can tell you anything. You always feel exactly the same. You just say the same thing to that person. You know that complainer? You've been saying the same thing to him for five years and they won't listen because they're a complainer. They don't want to listen. They want to complain. But a lament, you can lament to God and God could give you one word and you're like, let's go get some Chick-fil-A. Jesus. That's unprecedented faith. Where I'm lamenting in the presence. God, you just tell me one word from a shady... I could think Julian Shea. I could not even like Oasis. And you give me one word from somebody and I'm like, let's go get some need. Next breath. This is what unprecedented faith through lamenting does. When God knows the heart of his son or his daughter because the son or the daughter has been in his presence. I'm getting hyped, and I got like 18 more scriptures because I'm going to read just two. I don't know how I'm going to do this. 1 Kings 8, verses 37 through 39 says this. When famine or plague comes to the land or blight or mildew. I guess they didn't really like mildew. It's like famine or plague or mildew. You're like, dang. I was like, okay. Like, I, I probably should have looked that up because I'm confused right now and I don't know how to explain it to you. Maybe like mildew's like, is that mildew? <laughs> Locusts are chewing up the crops. Like, is that also mildew? God, where are you? weird okay locusts or grasshoppers or when an enemy besieges them in any of their cities i still can't get over mildew and enemy besieging the city are in the same sentence whatever disaster or disease may come i'm speaking this to covid right now and when a prayer or plea is made by anyone among your people israel being aware of the afflictions in their own hearts. Oh, my God. Not they're gone. They just are aware. When you pray for God to end the pandemic and you are aware of what's in your own heart, God says this. I'm going to read it again. And when a prayer or a plea is made by anyone among your people, Israel, being aware of the afflictions of their own hearts and spreading out their hands towards this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Forgive and act and deal with everything according to all they do since you know their hearts. For you alone know every human heart. Good Lord. That is unprecedented faith where David in the middle where people are trying to kill him could say, know my heart. And this is the final thing that he said. He said some other stuff, but maybe I'll do a part two. But in the last sentence, he said, see if there's any offensive way in me. 
Not am I doing anything offensive. Is there something on the inside that's offensive to you? Why is this so important in closing? Because Isaiah 53 verse 5 says this about Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he was pierced for our transgressions. They stuck a spear in his side and the blood of Jesus literally emptied out. And the Bible says he is pierced for our transgressions. What are transgressions? The the transport from an inner sin to an outer action. A transgression is a sin that you do. He was pierced. The blood came out for the things that we do that come out. So the blood came out for the sin that comes out. The blood came out for the anger that comes out. The blood came out for the jealousy that comes out. The blood came out for the complaining that comes out. The blood came out for the discontent and the sin that came out of you and I. But it also says he was crushed. The original translation says he was bruised for our iniquities. What are iniquities? The things that are in us that David was saying, I need you to search because I need you to get rid of it before it can come out. There's something festering on the inside of me that if I don't deal with it, it'll become a transgression in five years. Will you deal with the iniquity before it becomes a transgression? And here is what is amazing about the grace of Jesus Christ. He was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. A bruise is blood under the skin for the stuff you're dealing with under the skin. And a transgression, a piercing, is the blood out of the skin for the things that you're doing outwardly. A bruise is blood inwardly. So God made sure Jesus had blood flow and that blood remained within him. He was internally bleeding when you're internally sinning. And that is the grace of Jesus Christ, that God would make sure that Jesus would bleed internally because we have internal things that need to be dealt with. And I'm praying right now for somebody to get such an unprecedented faith that we would pray right now, God, will you search me? I I, I would pray that you would have such an unprecedented faith that you would move from complaining to lamenting. Right now, I just pray, Lord, that those listening to me would not say another thing about a person to another person. Not, not, not anyone, not, not politicians, not the government. No more posting about where the government only gave people $600. Take that stuff to God's presence. Get it off of the internet and into the presence of God. Get it out of the circles and the group chats and into God's presence. And God is saying, if you would just move from complaining to lamenting, this unprecedented faith will, un- will sustain you in these unprecedented times. And God, would you give somebody the faith when everything's going on around them? Give us the faith to go, God, will you search my heart? The blood of Jesus covers, the blood under the skin covers the darkness under the skin. The blood of Jesus that came and flowed out covers our transgressions and the things that we do that fail you, God. There's so much grace. So God, I'm praying right now that you would give your sons and your daughters unprecedented faith. In Jesus' name. Amen.